This week's episode of Screen Talk is brought to you by Beautiful Boy. Based on father and son memoirs that chronicle their experience of addiction, relapse, and recovery. Starring Steve Carell and Timothy Chalamet, who's nominated for a Golden Globe, Critics' Choice, and Screen Actors Guild Awards for Best Supporting Actor. For your consideration in all categories. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic. Joined, as always, by Ann Thompson, our editor-at-large. And Ann, we're back from vacation. It's our first recording of 2019. We're refreshed. We've rebooted, and we're, we're still kicking as, as award season continues along. How was your time off? Oh, I had a wonderful time. I went back east. I saw some family in, in Boston. I saw some family in the deep woods of Maine. I, I saw some friends and family in New York, ran around, went to the theater, saw The Ferryman, which was amazing, the Jez Butterworth, Sam Mendes, Northern Ireland drama, which I highly recommend anyone who's listening. And I saw the Kenneth Lonergan play the uh, Waverly Gallery with the great, extraordinary Elaine May, which uh, Kenneth Lonergan wrote and directed. Yeah, the one reason to see that show above all else is just seeing her in that theater. She did an amazing job. She is really quite something. So I had a very different kind of break. I went off to Thailand. I took an 18-hour flight to Singapore from Newark, which is surprisingly an easy way to get to Asia relative to other kinds of travel agendas. And then went off to Bangkok and Chiang Mai, spent some time on an island called Koh Lanta. I saw Bumblebee in a theater in Thailand where you have to... <laughs> And I still haven't seen that. Hey, if you're going to see it, you should see it in a theater in Thailand where you have to stand for the king to show respect for the king before the, the film screens. And I thought it was the best possible way to experience a Transformers movie was to to show show reverence for the for the crown. It was really quite something, and they, and they have very nice theaters out there. But actually, I kind of liked Bumblebee. It was a nice vacation movie. And then perhaps most importantly, on the way back, so these really long flights, you know, you just kind of work through all the crummy movies that you didn't see throughout the year. And yes, on the way back from Singapore, I did finally see The Wife. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting in a chair, tie, tied up for, for hours and hours on end, traveling through airspace that included Afghanistan and Canada and many other places. I did finally experience this movie. And yeah was mostly underwhelmed. I found it to be kind of lifetime movie-ish, to be quite honest with you. Of course, Glenn Coase is good. I could have told you that without seeing the movie, but I, I did find it to be kind of clunky and obvious for the most part, the story of the, this, you know, kind of frumpy, successful writer who owes all of his success to his wife is an interesting story and certainly one that feels timely in certain ways and that it, it opens up your eyes to you know, how women have been treated in various industries over the years and, and this woman who has not been given proper credit and how she deals with that. It could have been, I think, a more compelling drama if it weren't so ham-fisted in terms of its dialogue, its pacing. I just it was so obvious where it was going the whole time. Not to say that this has been hyped for me, but of course, it has been a movie that I've avoided for a long time to almost com- to a comical degree just because it was my one blind spot. And then Maybe not a movie that I would have obviously sought out. Did you end up seeing Colette? I haven't seen Colette. So you're right. I have another one. It's a genre movie that you avoid. 
Well, I think it's it's some it's to some because degree. Well, ended up doing business, and the wife ended up doing business. And believe it or not, the movie that ended up opening at the end of the year that Sony also uh, that Sony released, as well as the wife, is is this movie uh, Stan and Ollie. That of course you probably haven't seen that either, right? No, I did see Stan and Ollie. In fact, I wrote about Stan and Ollie, and I thought it was okay. You know, it's, but there's a, it's a kind of a genre of movie that's aimed at older audiences, this period that's, that's you middle know, brow, like the Weinstein middlebrow movie that, that Sony yeah. also specializes in, as well as it's Bleaker. Unadventurous. Unadventurous. Yeah. So there's nothing special about The Wife except for, I think, both of those performances. I'm not going to make any claims for The Wife. In fact, I thought the fact that The Wife wasn't that good a movie was going to hurt it in the end, but it, 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 audiences like it. That's the thing. I mean, there's critics are one thing and audiences, as we often have found out are another. No, my wife and I were watching and kind of rolling our eyes throughout the whole thing. I mean, I guess I could see why certain audiences would be responsive to it in the sense that it, it panders to a certain kind of audience need, you know, like you just want to see Glenn Close own every scene and she outshines the whole movie and that's all well and good, but it's just—it's. I just found it so clunky, and it was a challenge for me. Although it was slightly better than the Predator, which I also finally caught up Dude, on. That so, I did not you know, see. It's all relative in the world of cinema, as it were. See, so, I like action movies as long as they're well directed. Basically, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I can. I can see Hereditary and be absolutely thrilled, or Quiet Place, which I caught up with and I really liked. I yeah, thought it was Quiet very Place well done. Is that I? I uh, Rewatched that recently, and and it is a very involved. I mean, it's a real piece of cinema, you know, where you can actually appreciate how it's made. And even a, a an unadventurous film goer who just wants to be entertained can appreciate that. And there's something really valuable about that. Predator was just junk. I mean, it was really disappointing. So you know, did you see Aquaman? I did see Aquaman. It was one of the last things that I had to squeeze in before the end. Yeah, of the I didn't year. know that. Yeah, you, you can pass. It's not your kind of thing. I'm pretty sure. It's it's the kind of movie that you avoid. If if I avoid the middle <laughs> brow stuff, you avoid the CGI junk. We kind of balance each other out. Yeah, maybe we do. Maybe we do. But in my case, it's not so much. See, I think you have an aversion to a certain kind of women's movie. Yikes. And I was well, my aversion to action. It, 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 I don't have an aversion to action. I love action. I love cinema. So I don't think what I like and don't like is predictable in the gender equation. Yeah, well, I think you're right. I have an aversion to a certain kind of, of, of women's movie. I have an aversion to a bad women's movie. <laughs> the filmmaking okay. is bad and the writing is bad. A bad action movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not anywhere, quality, though. Quality. In any case, we have bigger fish to fry this week because we're, we're jumping right into uh, the mayhem of, of award season. There's no real break here because the Golden Globes are on Sunday and then a whole bunch of stuff after that. So you've been working on your prediction lists and I think it's really interesting because some stuff seems kind of obvious, but I guess there could be some surprises there. Oh, there's always surprises. I'm going to be blunt about this. Um, there are years where I have predicted the Golden Globes perfectly and then there are years where I've been so bad that it's embarrassing that I really didn't get what what they were going to do. And and part of it is is that this is a very idiosyncratic group of about 90 people. And they're not what you know, I could 
I, I could get closer to the New York or the LA film critics and what they would do than I would ever get with the, with the uh, Hollywood foreign press. They're very diverse, actually. They're well, not all the same. But doesn't a lot of this come down to campaigning? I mean, you can campaign the hell out of the HFPA in a way that you really can't. For no, they're totally, not to put too fine a, a point on it, they're wined and dined and, and, you know, utterly corruptible and consider themselves to be close personal friends uh, with most of the major movie stars and directors. So um, that has a lot to do with how they vote, which is, so the is like, one way to assess it. Who's been exploiting that the most this year? I mean, you could argue Star is Born seems like an obvious slam dunk, but Black Klansman's run a great campaign. And, Those uh, are the two films that are likely to do the best. Um, so I'm, I, I am predicting um, that Star is Born could win, but I'm, I'm saying Black Klansman could win too. Um, and I'm saying that uh, Lady Gaga could win and maybe it'll be Glenn Close. Um, yeah. You know, and I'm saying that Bradley Cooper could win, but a lot of people think it's Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody. And I just don't know how to call that, you know? Well, he shook a lot of hands and the movie made a lot of money and it's a very Golden Globes kind of a movie. They're both huge hits. They're both really popular. I would argue that A Star is Born is a way better movie than Bohemian Rhapsody. But that, and I think Cooper gives a great performance, but I can't argue with Malik either. He gives a good performance too. But I actually think that best film drama category is, is really tough to call because not only because of Black Klansman and Star is Born, but probably the only film that seems like it, it wouldn't have a strong chance of winning at all would be Beale Street. Because if you look at Black Panther, I mean, there's a lot of momentum. And I don't think that's going to win either. But it and was, I don't think okay, I mean I mean even the Hollywood even the Hollywood Forum press at least some of them have to understand <laughs> that Bohemian Rhapsody is a really bad middlebrow uh, formula biopic. Well, it's also interesting that there are two films in this category, in the drama category, that in another year might have been submitted for Best Musical or Comedy. Well, the way they seem to argue it is that Star is Born and Bohemian Rhapsody are both uh, what you would call backstage musicals as opposed to book musicals. So they don't just break into song and start, you know, singing and dancing. Right. Well, and it's it's also kind of interesting because then you look at comedy and musical and you have Green Book, which could have been submitted as a drama. Certainly not a comedy. And yeah. I don't think of The Favorite as a comedy, and I don't think of Vice as a comedy either. Well, they're so all you have fun. some really strong dramas in there. The favorite, if, if all the best comedy submissions looked like The Favorite, we'd have a much more exciting season to talk about. I mean, it is a funny movie. But, I mean, Mary Poppins Returns is obviously the only real... It belongs movie. there. Yeah. Utterly, perfectly... And Crazy Rich Asians is a, is a comedy. It's sure, a those all belong there. So that's an interesting one because you know, you're predicting Green Book and saying favorite should win. I would agree, favorite should win. But it, I mean, it, what about something like Crazy Rich Asians or Mary Poppins? I mean, these these, these are HFPA kind of pleasers too, right? I mean, they've made, they've done well. Well, I make an argument in the category of of actress. Um, I'm assuming they're going to do Olivia Coleman. I mean, it's just such an extraordinary performance. How could they not do Olivia Coleman? But if they did go with a, a movie star, which they tend to do, they tend to go with movie stars, it could be Emily Blunt. Yeah, and she's had this great year, obviously, because of A Quiet Place as well. So that can't hurt. 
but uh, but it's a that's a great category. I mean, you think about having Elsie Fisher from eighth grade in there, as well as Constance Wu and Charlize Theron. It's it's uh, there's some good balance to it in that respect. But uh, but I think you're probably right that Olivia Coleman. I mean, it's just she she is the she's kind sort of, of undeniable. But you can't you can't assume that the Hollywood Foreign Press thinks like everyone else. You know, it's 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 a little it's a little dangerous to 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 think that. Um, and I'm and I am as far as comedy musical actor, um, I'm I, they love Vice and they gave it a whole bunch of nominations. So I'm just going to go with that and say. Christian Bale, who is the sort of shapeshifter Gary Oldman with makeup assistance uh, this year. And I just can't see them not giving it to him. It seems kind of like a no brainer. I mean, he's not going to lose to Lin-Manuel Miranda, who's like just kind of goofing around and mugging for the camera and Mary Poppins returns and Viggo Mortensen and Green Book might be the upset there, but it's not quite as distinctive a performance. And, they both gained you know, the weight. <laughs> yeah, as did John C. Riley and Stan and Ollie. It's kind of cool that he's in there. I mean, he's had a nice year. I wish it was for the Sisters Brothers, which has been woefully ignored this season. But, uh, you know, he's a, he's a great actor who always deserves that kind of attention. And, he had a great year. And then you have Robert Redford in there for Old Man and the Gun, which is probably the only time that's going to get acknowledged for the rest of the I'm season. I'm afraid so. Really, just kind of SAG did not that. go there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the other, the other area where SAG didn't go was that they didn't nominate. I thought, shockingly, uh, Regina King for If Beale Street Could Talk, and that's an example that shows that there could be weakness there. But sometimes it has to do with the time of year and how many people got to see the movie. And even though If Beale Street Could Talk was uh, introduced at the film festivals, not everybody in the Academy and 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 in Golden Globes or all these people. It 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 broke late, and I I can't help but think that some of that heat that it has right now um, is later than it should be. Well, it's unfortunate because it's probably the the most intimate of these films, a film that I think really lingers with a lot of people. But it's but it's a quieter one, and so it's it's you you can't make a big statement with this movie in the way that some of these other ones do. It really has to have its space in it maybe hasn't had that space throughout this season. But it does seem likely to continue to be a part of the conversation. It'll get some Oscar nominations, right? I mean, you've got to assume... I'm assuming it will. And I'm assuming that Regina King is still the front runner, even though SAG didn't go for her. And I mean, SAG is often predictive and very influential, but um, I I, I just can't abandon ship on this. if you look at SAG, you'll see that Amy Adams is clearly going to win at, at the Screen Actors Guild. They love her. Because Regina King isn't there, and there's no one else who can beat her. Um, so she might win here, too. I'm sort of talking myself out of my prediction. <laughs> well, that's always what happens, isn't it? Because it's just so hard to tell. But this season in particular, and all these award shows look very different. So it's, you know, it's not like you can apply one logic to all of them. And that makes it a little tricky in that respect. Well, I also don't think that the, not to put too fine a point on it, but I don't think the, I don't think the the Hollywood Foreign Press wants to go down with an all white winners group either. Um, Nobody nobody does. I mean, nobody wants those optics, but you know, they can't fully control what happens here either. So, you know, something like that may indeed happen on Sunday with, with something along these lines. Yeah, for example, a lot of people think that Richard E. Grant is the front runner for supporting actor for Can You Ever Forgive Me? And and um I 
I think the Green Book has problems because of all the controversies around it in the world of the Academy Awards. I'm not sure it does in the world of the Golden Globes. I don't think that affects them. And so you're so, saying Mahershala Ali is more? Yeah, I could there? see Mahershala Ali. I could see because because he's 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 amazing in this movie. I mean, he these two actors are what make the movie work. Without them, it would be nothing. Yeah, but I mean, Richard E. Grant is so much more, I think, distinctive in Can You Remember? And, and he is a true supporting actor. He doesn't overtake the film in a particular way, but he's such a great character in this film that, and just inhabits the role of this kind of sad, you know, nomadic, alcoholic New Yorker in, in such a beautiful way. I mean, it's of the, of the, of the, kind of supporting actors that we're considering here it does seem like one everyone gets most excited about you know as as a supporting actor but i but i, I don't know i mean look you got timothy chalamet in there everybody loves him maybe he'll surprise and somehow break through but i, I doubt it they're, they're capable of, of doing something like that but um no you're you're now you're talking me and see i i don't feel you know richard e grant could easily win this Oh, 100 percent. I mean, everybody loves him. You know, he's he's a very lovable guy. And then in interviews, he's so such an interesting contrast to that character because he says he's allergic to alcohol. His father was an alcoholic and stuff. So he's been really good on the campaign trail. If you follow that. Oh, he's utterly charming. Yeah. The director, I I think, is 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 clearly going to be Quarome. But um, as you said up at the top, uh, Black Klansman is a strong competitor. And what about what about Stars Born? I mean, that that film is is feels like such an HFPA movie, and it's been a huge hit. It's a it's a genuine. Well, I'm assuming that it's going to win the acting awards and the best and the best drama. It's going to win three. Th- I mean, it doesn't have to win director as well. I don't see them giving Bradley Cooper two of them. Well, the thing is, like with Quaron winning for Roma, it's like because of respect for Quaron and less because of Roma. Because I have to assume that there are fewer people at least at the HFBA, who, who love Roma more than A Star is Born or Green Book or even Black Klansman or Vice. I mean, because it's just not the same. It's it's a challenging art film. And I, and I say that as somebody who uses that term with love, but it, relative to these other more accessible. I think they recognize the, the extraordinary accomplishment of what he did, you know, as the cinematographer, as the, you know, take just taking, you know, shooting chronologically over 108 days and what he did with everything in the movie. This is his there. T- he may win foreign language as well. And, and you may be right, but I don't see I mean, what are you saying that that they would give it to Spike Lee? I'm saying I'm saying Bradley Cooper's got a real shot. Mm-hmm. The Star is Born's done so well, and because there's so much respect for him, and it's his first feature, and how that would be a real sweep. That, that would be a real sweep. It could happen. But also, you know, I'm really entertained by. But the we're whole... not saying Sam Elliott. Uh, mm, yeah, that's tough. I I I, I rewatched that movie recently, and I. I was more, I paid more. He's not even nominated, Sam Elliott. So, but I think he will show up on the Oscar side. Yeah, it seems like, I mean, he he is very good in the movie. He's just not in a ton of scenes relative to some of the other people that we're talking about here. But on the director's side, it's also kind of funny because Spike and Peter Farrelly are not competing in terms of their films, but they are competing as directors. And And these are the two films that kind of deal explicitly with race in America, but one 
is they're they're so different and they're for totally different audiences. You know, the the African American community for, for the most part is just not cool with Green Book. I think it's safe to say. And Black Clyde right. is a very different kind of a movie that's more of a Again, the Hollywood Foreign Press are not, you know, made up of that many people from the African American community. So just imagine that scenario where it's like Black Klansman wins best drama and Green Book wins best comedy. And then who wins best director? You know, I mean, it's like they both lose. And I guess that that solves that problem. But it's but it's an interesting kind of a thing to look at, because I think from a cultural standpoint, these two movies represent two different sensibilities when it comes to wrestling with one of the most uncomfortable issues in American society right now. And is anyone going to even try to make a joke about any of that stuff at the ceremony? You know, humor is not an easy thing to do these days when it comes to these kinds of issues. So that's true. Um, it's it's interesting though because Vice has lost heat a bit since it opened in theaters and it actually went wide. Um, and and it's you know they obviously calculated what was the most effective way to take it out into the marketplace and support it with a lot of spending and and, and they've done about as well as they could hope to to do but disappointingly um, and and the other uh, the other so so does does that heat that lack of heat uh, affect Vice, which they were so high on and gave so many nominations to. I'm not sure it does. I think they've already, you know, they voted already. Well, it's interesting. I mean, critics mostly don't like it. It's been out there in the conversation. No, the critics uh, definitely heard it, for sure. Yeah, and so so that that side of it is perhaps something that, that you're picking up on. is just like the, the dialogue around Vice has evolved since this initial, you know, flurry of, of support from HFPA members in the nominations, but no, Christian Bale being a front runner, it seems like a pretty safe bet. The rest of the stuff, I don't know. No, it's going to be, I think as far as the Oscars are concerned, Vice is, is, is its biggest support is the actors and, and well-deserved support for, for both of these actors. They'll get in. And I, and I think that uh, the makeup and hair will get in just the way it was with uh, I mean, actually, Darkest Hour had six nominations and was ended up doing well at the box office and was much more supported than someone like you might have predicted at the beginning. Um, Fair. It, it actually did very well. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen with Vice. I'm also curious about the best animated feature category because a couple of months ago, it might have seemed like Incredibles 2 just has a lock all the way through the season. In some ways, this category is constricted a lot of times because there's just not that much to consider. But it's been an interesting year. I admit that I have yet to see Mirai, but Isle of Mirai is very good. Very good. But no, Into the Spider-Verse, yeah. same thing as Vice, only the other way around. This is a movie that's picked up heat. Yeah. Rave reviews. Everybody loves it. Just extraordinarily well, well respected as well as adored. Um, and does that, but did the Hollywood Foreign Press get the wind of all that? you know, by the time they voted. That may be breaking more in favor of the Oscars. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of neat to see a movie. I... I wasn't quite as enthusiastic on this movie as some people, but I but I respect it. I, I really oh, I adored it. it. it thought outside the box, and the, and the animation is super so innovative. Yeah, so it 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 would seem like a front runner, but then again, Incredibles two two is that is that easy middle brow choice, which is ironic to say because it's not like you know the first Incredibles like Spider Man is not fair. That is well, really I, not 
fair. I think it is. That I is not fair is. at all. That movie is is incredibly well written and directed and executed on the highest possible level, and it it, it deserves uh, to win. I, I absolutely I, deserves no, to win. No, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I I think Spider Man is is way more innovative. I think there's way, way more ideas to it. Incredibles two felt a lot of it felt very familiar, like I'd seen it before. In uh, a lot of the plot beats were it actually dodged a lot of those pitfalls uh, more than perhaps Ralph breaks the internet, which was a yeah, good movie. Yeah, I thought that um, was pretty forgettable. Yeah, um, there, there were some great animation sequences. Incredible, an incredible Sue Brad Bird is a, is a terrific animator. There's no question about it. I just thought it was weaker and played it safer than Spider Man by a long shot. And so I guess that well, Spider Man on some level is inventing something. I mean, what they did with the with the with the ability to to give the animators the the, the ability to draw over the other uh, CG animation and give it that organic quality and those incredible layers that's fab- fabulous. But that's not something. Incredibles two is is different. It's a sequel. It's it's taking the technology and advancing it in incredible ways from what they were able to do when they first did it, whatever it was, fourteen years ago. Um, this, this, it's sort of apples and oranges. Actually, I, I think I was just sort of bummed that the story wasn't stronger. Huh. Well, Miller and Lord, I have to say, I get a lot of satisfaction. Uh, they're the producers of this, and Phil Lord actually wrote it into the Spider Verse. I get a lot of satisfaction that these are the same guys that got fired off of Solo, right? And then they hired Ron Howard to replace them. Wouldn't it have been great? to see whatever crazy shit they were trying to Oh, I know. I mean, that that. was sort of the the thing that was so stupid about the way Solo went down was that you don't just fire people like that because you don't think their ideas are great. I mean, just like you hired them. You got to go, as their boy, you got to just go through with it. Now that we've seen Solo and we see how bland it is, you know what they were trying to do. And they were trying to make it interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Expect. So they they sort of got the last laugh. Faction over there at Lucasfilm simply couldn't bear it. Yeah, yeah. So it's too bad, but I guess they get the last laugh here in, in certain kinds of ways. I mean, it's not like they directed this movie, and they, you know, it's not entirely theirs, but they certainly did shepherd it along to the point that it. Oh, well, they were pretty involved. So then, the other category worth looking at here is best foreign language film, where Roma is again nominated, could win it as it as it you know, is expected to, I think, by most people. But you have plenty of other stuff here. I mean, shoplifters could be a little surprised, as, as you said. I'm sort of curious about something like Capernaum, which which seems like... Which is the emotional yeah. play. And I did, over the holidays, catch up with Never Look Away, which is uh, very good, very good, very long, very ambitious. It's about art. It's about expression. It's 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 actually uh, a pretty damned uh, impressive uh, piece of work. Did you see it? I still haven't seen it. Got to make the time. And I'm not avoiding it per se, but you know, it's just it just hasn't been at the top of the queue. You might like it. I, I actually think you you would. I mean, on this list, girl didn't make the. Um, Shortlist short yeah. for the Oscar. The other ones, of course, are, are all on there. Capernaum is the one with the most emotional uh, resonance, but Shoplifters does have some too, and so does Roma for some of us who respond to it. I'm still horrified by the number of people that I run into who just don't respond to Roma. Well, my parents saw it over the weekend and loved it. I mean, I, I think that 
Roma is as as for as much as there is this narrative of yes, there are people who for whom Roma doesn't work because it's too slow or too difficult or whatever whatever kind of like reductive term we want to apply to it. I think the the number of people who admire it or respect it or come out of it having a very profound emotional experience is probably much larger. I'd so like to think so. It seems that way. I mean, just in terms of the people who are actually, you know, if you're if you're making the effort to watch that movie, then you're going to get something out of it one way or the other. People who are bored with it have written it off in the first five minutes. So how many people are there like that? I don't know. I remember when we had this conversation about 12 Years a Slave, who actually it's going to put in that screener to watch the slavery movie. And then a one best picture. So, well, in that case, that was a case where it became a movie that you had to see, even if you didn't want to. And it was a, that's what, honestly, that's what Oscar campaigning is all about. Yeah, People I, I, who were dragging their heels and, and uh, they had to see it. And when they did, they saw what they saw. So it, it, it worked out. I'm actually surprised that the narrative around, I mean, maybe it would be seen as cheap or exploitive, but the narrative around all everything going on with immigration and the stupid wall building that shut down our government uh, has not been somehow tied to the Roma of it all because not that there's anything in the film about immigration, but it, it is about it bringing the humanity to life in, in Mexico at a moment when, you know, the leader of this country is, is, is saying all these terrible things about our, you know, peers across the border. It seems like it's the right kind of a movie to, do, to, to provide a contrast, but that's not something that's been a part of this campaign. It hasn't been politicized at all. Yeah, yeah. Not so that's, a, that's an interesting challenge. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. We'll have the New York Film Critics Circle Awards on, on Monday. So we already know what won there. Obviously, Roma won for film director and cinematography. So, uh, you know, either Quaron will be showing up very happy or he'll have, you know, eventually a reason to celebrate so that'll be interesting and then after that nbrs so we'll have all of that to talk about next week and then we can recap the globes and uh see if the oscars maybe found a host by then if not we'll Uh, have something to talk about i think we're waiting for them to come up with a pretty impressive list of people that they're able to get as long as they don't have to host yeah i think they should just like create a new cartoon character or something make it go viral by the time the Oscars happen, they've just created an entirely new movie star because at this point, there's no star who wants to put themselves in front of this thing. They had, I think it was Jiminy Cricket host one there year, so it's it's been done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's I a little think, late, though. They, they, they need more time for that. Yeah, I don't think Paddington will do the trick. So. No. Okay. All right. All right, have Talk a good weekend. Later. Bye-bye. Catch up on your sleep. Bye-bye. We'll try.